Hi, and welcome to the View from the Mount podcast, where we have real-life issues that we discuss through a biblical lens. Today, we're excited for episode five. I'm Jason, and I'm joined again by Matt. If you would, would you do us a favor and click like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on? And just to let everyone know, we also uh, post this podcast on Spotify, on Google, iTunes, on Lake Mountain Church of Christ website, on YouTube. So check us out there. Share this with your friends. We're really excited about this episode. Maybe a controversial episode, but we are going to talk about alcohol from a Christian perspective. So Matt, you and I both have an opinion on this that's strong and that's evolved. Would you mind just sharing with the listeners where we're coming from and what our position is going to be? We're kind of going to break the norm. We're going to give our position first and then go from there. Right. So we just kind of want to talk about this is kind of a hot button issue, even in the church. Is it okay to drink any amount of alcohol? Uh, We often hear the term social drinking thrown around. And so we're kind of going to dig into, is that okay? Is it not okay? And why? And some people will try to draw a hard line scripturally, and they'll try to interpret different scriptures to say, well, you shouldn't drink any amount of alcohol, or they'll use those same scriptures to say, it's okay to have some. Did Jesus drink real alcoholic wine or didn't he? We're not going to really dive into picking those scriptures apart today. Um, We're going to take a little bit different tack with this about how, as Christians, we can make a, a wise decision about this issue, even if there is or isn't a thus saith the Lord on you can't have a sip of alcohol. A- absolutely. So our, our position, because we're in agreement on this, we're, we don't agree on everything, but we agree on this, that our position is that we have chosen, personally, we have chosen not to drink alcohol. We understand that not everybody holds that position, and, and we know all the arguments. We've had discussions with people about this, where people will be like, well, the Bible doesn't say don't drink. It says don't be drunk. We understand that, and we understand the nuances of John 2 at the wedding feast in Cana, uh, and we understand uh, other verses. So we're not trying to break down a text and prove our point. We can do that. But but that's not what we're trying the line we're trying to argue from. If if there's a scripture that applies to our conversation in this podcast, it's this. The Bible says, "Do not be a fool." Yeah, absolutely. And I and I'm actually someone who used to hold the other side of this argument. I would say, you know, the Bible doesn't say you can't have a drink of alcohol. The Bible preaches against drunkenness, and I would sort of defend that position. Um, and I have changed my position on that. And we're going to get into some of the reasons why and some of the things that really stuck in my mind and got me thinking about this in a different way. Um, so we're hoping that this will start conversations, as always, uh, amongst you all and that you'll kind of talk about this. And this is one of those things that we don't get a lot of people talking about this all the time in the church. Either it's not mentioned or when it does come up, it almost kind of causes some sparks sometimes. People get upset. They're very, very defensive of their position on this on both sides. Uh, why do you think that is? Why do people get worked up about this if it's Man, a nothing I, issue? I, I don't know. They're really, in my mind, like I've talked just private conversations about different issues. There's not many areas where you'll absolutely tick someone off mm-hmm. when you bring up an issue they disagree with. Uh, this is one that people that disagree get very defensive, very angry about. And, and the problem's this, and, and I think anyone would have to admit, if we're trying to debate it, which we're not, but if we're trying to debate it, someone that's trying to defend alcohol use against somebody like us that's arguing from a teetotaling perspective, they can't win the debate. Right. That doesn't mean that it's not a, a, a conversation, but 
just the nature of debate. You can't argue and win from the negative like that. No. And, you know, the Bible may not say, well, don't take a single sip of alcohol, but there's a lot of things the Bible doesn't specifically tell you not to do. That, right. we, that doesn't mean you can argue that it's a good idea. The Bible doesn't say, now, Matt, don't go into your kitchen and, and try to juggle 12 steak knives in the air. Uh, I'd but, like to see I that. Probably shouldn't do that, right? I'd be uglier than I am now. But it doesn't say not to do that, but that doesn't mean that it's a wise thing to do. It's dangerous. The best that can happen is that I don't hurt myself. And that's a bad bet. Right. right? So I mean, our our position, our our discussion today is not does the Bible forbid taking a sip of alcohol because we do not have a scripture that says that. Mm-hmm. We have principles that should overlay any decision that we make. And the one that we're primarily using, I think we could use it for a lot of things, is the idea of being foolish. So the question would be, is drinking alcohol, does that, is that foolish or does it lead to foolishness? And that should be a part of the discussion. It should be. And I think it's interesting, you know, we've talked about whether we discuss this much or not in the church. I've told people that I don't drink and I don't really get too much flack from from non-Christians about that. I mean, they might ask why. And if I say, well, I'm a Christian, they're like, okay. I mean, they sort of expect that. Um, I think you've experienced this too. If if somebody's going to give you flack for not drinking, it's almost always going to be a Christian who drinks. Absolutely. I've shared before that I've I've been around Christians who have been out somewhere in a social setting and they've been drinking. I don't have to say a word. And I'm not saying, I'm not like, I can't believe you guys. I'm not flipping over tables and angry. I I might even sit there, drink my water uh, or or whatever else while they're drinking, not saying a word, but right away they become defensive, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, get jabs and I get, I've been made fun of sure. uh, in those settings by Christians. Now, I've also been with non-Christians who have been drinking. They don't do the same. They respect a the conviction. Yeah. But it's interesting that oftentimes Christians who will drink socially, they'll defend that as being acceptable, but they'll react to your non-participation the same way often people react when their consciences are pricked about something. Absolutely. It's a defense mechanism. I I think it's interesting, kind of before we go a little bit further, let me give my background and then a little bit more of yours, Matt. So for the record, and and maybe this ruins my place, is I've never drank. I've, I've just never had a desire to, but my background with this has to do with having an alcoholic father who uh, drank about all the time. In fact, he died of cirrhosis of the liver as a result of that. And from that came abuse, a wrecked family, divorce that were all directly related to that. And I've explained this to people in this conversation and someone someone's response to me was, well, you're just prejudiced against alcohol. Well, maybe I'm wiser to it. Mm-hmm. Because in my life, I've seen the dirty side. Yeah. You know, like I think about like the, the beer commercials and alcohol commercials, like this party and this excitement and this fun that they try to portray. And they, they don't show the wrecked home. They mm-hmm. don't show the, the kid being beat. Now, I know that's not every person that drinks doesn't become abusive and doesn't lead to divorce. Right. doesn't lead to DUIs. I, I know that. But in some cases, in many cases, it does. In my family, it did. And so kind of going from that, what I saw, what I experienced, I've never wanted to, to drink. Your story is one that is a position that as a non-Christian. Yeah, what, absolutely. So, I mean... Like you said, drinking doesn't always lead to abuse and a shattered home, but I, I can attest that it really doesn't lead to anything all that great. 
either. I mean, our, our family wasn't a bunch of drunks by any stretch, but I mean, alcohol was just one of those things, special occasions, weekends, whatever. People drank, everybody got together to socialize, alcohol would be a part of that. It was just always something that was around. And I mean, since we were kids, we would see everybody having a good time and that always seemed to be part of it. And so you kind of grow up with that that idea about it. And you started playing around with alcohol early? Sure. I mean, you know, our dad would let us have a sip of this or that. He didn't let us just drink beer as children or whatever, but we we got to taste things and be like, oh, that's gross. And they'd all laugh about it. And it was always kind of this fun tongue in cheek thing. Um, When I was like 15, I joined my dad's band. Uh, We played around at a lot of bars and stuff. And so, of course, I found opportunities to, to get something to drink. And so, yeah, from the time I was a teenager, I would drink for fun pretty quickly you know you get to be an older teen and and you're partying with your friends and doing that sort of thing so when you became a christian what changed as it relates to alcohol i was more private about it i mean i was less likely to get drunk but i would i would rationalize like well i'm just gonna have a few drinks at the house i'm not getting drunk but to be perfectly honest i mean it was about even odds that i would have one too many or you know get a buzz or whatever and then i would feel guilty about it and then the, the longer i went along in my faith the more I realized, like, I felt self-conscious when I'd be out buying it. You know, like, I was afraid I was going to see someone from church. And I would rationalize that, too. But that should have been a warning bell, that I didn't want to be seen buying it. I felt weird about mm-hmm. it, um, that I would have to hide it at the house. So what was your what was your impression of, of the church's view about that? Did you have this thought that I'm doing this, it's okay, not a big deal, but I'm pretty sure the church is against it? Yeah, I just didn't, not necessarily that the church was against it. I knew certain people would would be funny about it. You know, there are certain people who are hard against it. And I kind of rationalized it in my head as I just don't want to be bothered with that conversation. I don't want to argue with that. So I'm just going to do what I want to do. Your position changed as you grew and mature. And I think one of the things that's interesting about that, I, I made a comment months ago, we were talking about this and I made a comment. Well, people don't change in this subject. Yeah. They do what they want. You said, well, I did. I did. And I'm not I'm not suggesting that somebody who holds the opposite view needs to grow up or that they're not a mature Christian. Right. I'm not saying that. I'll kind of unfold some of the things that really got to me as we go through the, the podcast here, because some of the points that we're going to bring out are the things that, that got to me about this. So. Right. And, and on top of that, with anything, we have to be careful as we form opinions, moral decisions that we're going to make. We cannot make our decision about what we're going to do and then work our way backwards to try to justify it. Uh, That's dangerous. That leads to a dangerous, because I can make, I can almost justify or excuse anything, maybe even using scripture, you know? So I think that's a potential danger. Someone approaches this subject, they're going to be so resolute in their position. I, you know, they're going to say, I'm, man, I just want to drink. I just don't think, I just don't feel that Mm -hmm. it's wrong. And then they're going to grasp for straws. Well, the Bible doesn't say this. And here's this passage. There are principles that speak to this. Yeah. And I think that they are very relevant. And and we just kind of want to bring those out. One, one other question before we really get in, Matt and I were kind of having a conversation setting up for this and the way we formulate this is we just have a conversation a little bit early. We don't have this scripted out. Uh, we kind of talk about where we want to go, where we don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions I kind of brought up to Matt was what what's the percentage of Christians, people in the church that feel that drinking is wrong? I think we might disagree a little bit about this. I, my, my suggestion was that we might be in a minority now, you didn't necessarily at first agree with me. I don't know. I don't know that it's, I don't think that most people in the church 
uh, drink socially. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I think they're still probably in the minority. I don't know if you can really split it along the lines of age and say, well, the younger people are more mm-hmm. likely to drink because that's not necessarily true at all. I think most people, like always, there's the silent majority. I think most people probably think this isn't something that Christians do or that they don't do it in their own lives. They just don't talk about it much. Or, or they might not have a strong uh, conviction for, you know, spiritual reasons, yeah. right? It might not be a spiritual stance. It might just be... I don't drink. Right. And and there's a question of, is, is this something that's evolving? Is this something that's changing? Are more people, as time goes on, likely to do this? Because in the church? In the church? A, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. More okay. people are in the... In, in, I mean, I, I've seen, I you know, in, in just my time as a Christian, I, I've seen the tolerance, and maybe it's the circles that I've been in, I've seen the tolerance of that in the church certainly changed. Again, maybe it's my bubble and my sphere has changed o- over time, but I, 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 in some churches, in yeah. some conservative, biblical-based churches 30 years ago, social drink, I don't, I don't believe would have been largely tolerated. Right. Now, I feel pressed for, for my conviction on it. Well, there's definitely something that's become maybe more fashionable about it. You know, there's people who are kind of into wine or all these little microbreweries popping up where they make their own beer on site or uh, these subscription boxes people get that'll send you different kinds of scotch and a cigar. You seem, you you seem know, to have like, a wide range of understanding well, here. Well, what's weird is that, like, that's all I see on Facebook is these ads for different things. And we, li- we live around the corner uh, from from one of these microbreweries, and people just walk into the street while we're driving, and it's a nuisance, <laughs> and I hate it. Um, yeah. But the thing about that is... I kind of talked about being embarrassed to buy it because I was afraid that people would disapprove in the church. And so that kind of leads us to a point, which is what do non-Christians think about this? Mm. Uh, We're going to talk about this from an angle of protecting our witness and not wanting to be seen doing something that's questionable. What what would non-Christians say? So so essentially it's this right or wrong. Does a non-Christian person looking in assume that Christians do not or should not drink alcohol. Right. And I think if you if you were talking to a non-Christian person and you just asked them, like, give me five things that Christians don't do, I will bet you that alcohol is, is on the list and probably also betting. Sure. <laughs> but if we just go back, it becomes a difficult situation because throughout history, the church has had evolving up and down positions on alcohol, mm-hmm. right? But... The church was behind like the temperance movement. Yeah. And, and so I, I certainly think by and large, I think you're right. I think non-Christians in general think Christians do not or should not drink. Again, we're not, we're not saying with that point that that's right or wrong. That's just the perception. But their perception does matter. Yeah, it does. And they'll sometimes just look for things to use as an excuse to call you a hypocrite because they're they're being convicted or whatever. And so it's not out of the realm of possibility to try to be talking to somebody about this and them to say, well, I mean, I just saw you at, at Jalisco's the other day with a giant margarita. So like, don't talk to me about how mm-hmm. I'm living my life. That hurts our witness. Well, and you seem to understand that even as a, a Christian social drinker in your life that, well, you were not against the idea of drinking privately, which means that the whole title social drink, mm-hmm. which is kind of the title we use for a Christian consuming moderate amounts of alcohol, yeah. maybe is a misnomer. Yeah, maybe. I think I see groups develop where they're all Christians. They all want to have a drink. They all have this understanding of like, well, it's okay for us to do this. So you're saying like, drink. like drinking in a Christian setting. 
I think so. Or I've even I've even known people who might drink in mixed company and almost use it as a like they'll call it a teach teachable moment. Like, oh well, the Bible doesn't actually preach against drunkenness. Like, <laughs> right. That's I, the and that's the hill you want to. Right. I, I don't know that if I have an opportunity to have a teachable moment from the Scripture with somebody, I don't want that to be it. I mean, right. there's more important stuff to share with people than that. I think my argument, Matt, would be along these lines. First of all, I'm obviously I don't think that we should be drinking alcohol. That's my position on yeah. that. But if you were and you were to say you were going to, I don't think that the conclusion should be I'm gonna go out with my non Christian friends and drink. Because of the witness right. of that. You know, if someone's gonna you know, I think we gotta be wise in the way that we act towards and around outsiders. And a lot of times I think the mindset is, well, if we have a Christian fellowship event you know, we got Christians over the house. We're going to hide the alcohol. We're going to yeah. serve sweet tea and lemonade. Mm-hmm. But you have a non-Christian primarily group. You're like, well, I might drink in that setting. I, I would suggest that from the perspective of our witness, maybe the opposite should be the... Yeah. And that's one of the things that, that started getting to me really is because I try to be a logical person and I like to apply logic evenly you know, across all topics if I can. And like, this sort of led me into this circular reasoning thing where I'm like, well, I'm going to hide this. It's okay for me to do this, but I'm going to do it privately. But then I'd have to ask like, well, if I have to hide this, there's got to be something wrong with it. But then I'm back around to, but the Bible doesn't say that you can't drink. It just says you can't get drunk. But then I still felt like I had to hide it when I would do it. And so the fact that I didn't feel comfortable being seen doing this and I'm hiding in my house doing this, that bothers my conscience because I have to think anything I have to do hidden like that, there's got to be something wrong there. Right. I think the the whole idea, like say you take that out into a social setting though, and say you make allowances that you're going to only do it socially. I I think there becomes a problem if you say, I'm going to drink socially. And there's a problem if you say, I'm just going to drink privately. One is, well, if you if you're just drinking privately, most non Christian groups would say you got a problem. Right. Yeah. If you're drinking uh, alone, there's a, there's uh, a problem. And, there. and then then we would say if you're out drinking socially and you wouldn't normally drink privately, but then your character, your uh, boundaries change socially. Well, then you're being pulled for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I think we can go on to our next point here, which is what are we going to gain from this? I mean, is it wise to drink? What's the best outcome that, that can mm-hmm. happen from you having a few drinks? Right. Which is the best outcome is you stop before you've gone too far. Like the best best case scenario is you don't hurt yourself in the process of doing this. And the worst case scenario, you mess up. Like there's nothing to be gained and, and, and something to be lost. Right. And those aren't good odds. Like I don't like that. Right. Why do you have to? Right. You know, and, and, and that'd be kind of going back to what we had said earlier. Why do people cling to this one, this thing so tightly? I know. And it, does, it doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense to me. If you're not looking for the effects of drinking alcohol, it doesn't make sense to me to stand hard on this insistence that I want to have a few drinks every now and again. Well, why? I mean, like if you just want the taste of it, well, it doesn't taste that good. There's not too many things that I enjoy just the taste of. Only the girly drinks? That I'm going to get upset. Right. That I'm going to get upset about the prospect of having to give that up. So, I mean, now, now, if what you're looking for is to take the edge off or to get a buzz or just to relax or to get the effects of drinking, it makes more sense 
for you to to stand hard on like, well, I want to have this every now and again. But if you're really as innocent as you claim and you just want to have one drink to enjoy the flavor, that doesn't explain the anger I see when you confront that behavior. Right. How, how much of this do you think is mixed in with the idea forbidden fruit is sweeter? Yeah. That's this idea that it's, it is, you know, whether it's a subconscious thought, you know, that this is slightly rebellious mm-hmm. uh, and... And I'm going to do it because it's a little bit rebellious. Yeah, maybe. Even if they don't think in those terms. And and honestly, for me, it was more, like I said, growing up, like if you were having a fun time, that was always a part of that equation. You know, it was it was the thing that brought everything to the next right. level. Everybody was laughing. Everybody was having a good time. And just like you said, you know, you don't see the broken home. Well, you also don't see the nausea and the hangover. And all you remember is that good right. time. And so I think in everybody's subconscious mind, it's just this idea of fun includes alcohol. And, and we kind of fall into And I would mindset. challenge that. I, I would challenge that I... That we don't need that to have real fun, and and that and that's probably true from a Christian perspective, mm-hmm. non-Christian. I don't I don't think it necessarily that matters as an overlying thing either, because I I think that maybe your fun's actually inhibited by not being sober. It's funny people will insist to this sort of innocence to it. I'm just having one, or I'm just having two, or whatever. I'm not drinking to get drunk. I stop before I get a buzz. Whatever the case. I have a hard time believing that across the board. I mean, I know what our experiences were and the odds that you were going to have a little too much were high, especially because as you're having that first drink, I mean, your inhibitions are already starting to kind of come Mm -hmm. down a little bit. It's easy to rationalize that second one. And then you're sort of in trouble. Like you now you've had too much and you've right. made a mistake. Well, and, 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 and the line between uh, – there is a line that obviously would be crossed where it's now we're stepping into the clear thou shalt not. Where's that line come? Does that line come uh, with the amount of glasses of whatever alcohol or does it yeah. come between four sips and five sips? There has to be some point in time where you cross into the realm of – being drunk. Sure. And I think as a scriptural principle, we're told to flee from any appearance of evil. I mean, right. we shouldn't be close enough to that line that we have to split hairs over where it's at. Is my like why why are we doing this? Why are we trying to see how far we can go before we right. we make God angry with us instead of just trying to stay away from that situation. And I, and I don't even think this is just a matter of like, man, we're I don't want to make God mad. I think it's a matter of prudence, of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thankful, like, because I've chosen to be a team, I don't have to say, all right, what's too much, what's not. I don't have to make that because I, I just don't have to worry about that line because I'm not even going near it. I think that's wise to set boundaries yeah. uh, like that. Problem is, if we push that envelope, we're going to get closer and closer and eventually over the line. I don't know of somebody that advocates for social drinking mm-hmm. that hasn't crossed the line. Yeah, no, I definitely, when I was on that side of it, I did cross the line more than once. And and then I would be plagued with sort of guilt about that. And so it was a combination of things. There was this idea that I was self-conscious about being seen mm-hmm. doing it. If I was honest with myself, there were times when it, it went too far. Right. And I couldn't justify continuing to take that risk. And then there was just this question of like, why am I doing this? If right. I was going to be honest with myself, why did I want to have a few drinks? And, and if I was going to do an honest assessment, the effects of it were a part of that. Like, even if it was just mild, even if you just wanted to, like I said, take off that edge or maybe I just want to sleep well tonight or that kind of thing, it was always in there. And if you took away the effects, I wouldn't have been doing it. I mean, that's just the way that it is. And so 
when we're looking for scriptures, as as I was prone to doing, to say, well, look here, it says this, and look here, it says that, I had to ask myself then too, what's my motivation for doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I searching so hard for a loophole in the scripture that allows me to do this thing that I'm claiming really isn't all that big of a deal? Well, I, I think that's the problem is when you go looking for loopholes, like your position becomes grounded and you're just going to go backwards to defend mm-hmm. it. That That's a problem. Along with that, I, I guess I would question is, at what point do your senses become dulled? At what point does your judgment become impaired? I don't mean like reaction time in a car. That's important. But I I just mean like your moral judgment. You know, people call beer or liquid courage because you, man, it doesn't take a, what you have one, one beer in a bar and you might approach a, a, a woman, ask her out, talk to a woman that you wouldn't do sober. And that might not lead to immorality necessarily, but it does show that it causes people to do things under the influence that they would not do soberly. Sure. And even even if it's not something that overt, let's say you're just saying things you shouldn't say, that normally you would have mm-hmm. the restraint not to just say out loud or to say that way. I've hurt people more than once saying things after I've had a drink that I wouldn't normally have right. said to them. Not every, and not everybody becomes an angry drunk. No. But some people do. You know, and, and, and man, if you if you just like sometimes we used to like to watch that live PD show. Mm-hmm. And my conclusion after watching like live PD or cops is if there was no such thing as alcohol, police would be almost out of a job. Right. Uh, because how many domestic disputes involve alcohol? Now, someone's gonna say, Well, that's excess. And maybe it is. But before you can ever get to the excess, you have to have one. And someone's going to say, well, I have the discipline to stop. And that's probably true for a lot of people. They sure. probably don't. Not every person that drinks becomes angry or becomes immoral or becomes a bad dad or a bad husband. That doesn't happen to, to everybody. It does happen with some. Mm-hmm. And I just liken it to people who take foolish risks for no reason. I remember being a teenager out riding around with my friends and some of the things that we did in a car were just flat stupid. And, and it's a it's by the grace of God that I'm still, you know, drawing oxygen today after some of the stuff that we pulled. And that was the kind of excuse I'd hear. You know, you'd have somebody suggest like, maybe we shouldn't try to jump over this thing in your car. <laughs> oh, no, I'm in control. I can do it. I know what right. I'm doing. Okay, well, it only takes once that you mess up doing something like that and you're in a, a huge mess. And so, yeah, maybe you do have the discipline to stop 99 times out of 100, but you're still taking what I would consider to be a foolish chance. I right. mean, and, and, and there is that principle of like, let's be wise. Let's not be foolish. Right. Let's um, think soberly. Right. Yeah. Be of sober mind. So that that's the question that you have to ask. What what do I stand to lose by doing this? And what do I stand to gain? And, mm-hmm. I, and my stance on this has become, you don't stand to gain anything. Right. But, so is there something, if the effect is not what you're chasing, mm-hmm. is there something that you could not get from something else other than alcohol? Or is that unique to alcohol? Whether, you know, you can't get a, a good drink, a good beverage to quench a thirst. Right. Uh, you couldn't get something to calm you. Some, you know, warm milk can do that. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, get some chamomile tea. You, you can experience, you can get those things other places. Why does it have to be this? Yeah. Which just tells me that if we're more honest with ourselves, those are the things that we say, but that I don't think that's the root of what drives us to do How, how much of this do you think like might be the idea of feeling like we need to fit in or feeling like that, man, if we don't, that we're missing out on something if we take this, you know, I've had people almost be like, man, you've never drank. I'm like, yeah. No. And they're like, man, you're, you're missing out. Am I, I mean, am I, am I, if I really missed out on living life 
Yeah, and uh, it's because we're kind of believing that lie, like you say, that we see on the beer commercials of like, oh, that's the good life right there. And, and it's because they're drinking. And I think Christians have bought that lie. And I almost, you know, there is this perception that becoming a Christian means giving up all your fun. And you got a list of stuff you're right. not allowed to do. And now your life is boring and humdrum. And I think we almost overstep trying to dissuade people from thinking that. And we almost come off as being like, no, look, see, I'm a Christian and I'm still cool. Like, I'm still having right. fun. I'm not some uptight nerd, you know, like, and, and we want to show people like that we can still have fun as Christians. Right. But isn't there another way to have fun? Like, there's all kinds of other stuff you can do for fun. It's, right. It is maddening trying to make plans with somebody who is not a Christian to go out and do something because that is the first thing everyone always says. Like, oh, we'll go have a few drinks. You run into somebody you haven't seen in years. Oh, we should get together for a beer. Like they always think that's got to be a part of it. And it's frustrating because it doesn't have to be that. You can have fun without that. And I've seen that with Christians though, who feel like, man, I want to show them that I'm not Ned Flanders. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm not just some judgmental guy. I can go out and ha- ha- have a beer with somebody and maybe I'll make them think I'm cool right. and not some judgmental Christian. And I-, I don't know why we need that to prove that we're not judgmental no. or uppity or, or whatever else. I-, I don't know why that has to be the thing to make that statement. No, we should be. We should have the courage to redefine that paradigm and be like, you know, that thing that you think is fun and cool, that's not what's really cool. That's right. not the cool thing. And you and you can have loads of fun without that. And I just think we have to have the courage to be different. We don't win the world by becoming more like the world. We win the world by being radically different than the world. So this is one of those things where people are looking in at the church. And also, you know, we've got some issues in in the church across the country. You know, like everybody's broken up into denominations. We've got all these different issues. We've got things even within our own congregations sometimes that need straightening out doctrinally or teaching people or discipling them. We've got bigger fish to fry than this. I mean, if nothing else, this isn't worth the argument that we have to keep going around in circles about something so silly. And I just have to wonder, do people really think Jesus is a fan of you getting a little bit buzzed in your living room? You know, they point out the wedding feast. And we're not going to pick apart whether that was or wasn't alcoholic wine, but I don't see Jesus contributing to the drunkenness of a couple of hundred people. No, I, I and, can't imagine that. And, and we've and we can and we could make that point. I think pretty clearly that's not possible that Jesus was leading to or promoting uh, drunkenness. Right. Uh, you know, because the Bible always connects poor moral choices with with drunkenness, mm-hmm. and and I don't think there's any question about that. But th- the question really is. I think down to motivation, yeah. right? It's not just the, the issue. It's like, it's why. And if somebody is wanting to drink because they want to fit in, even if someone's saying, man, I just want to, to have a drink to calm my anxiety, mm-hmm. it's going to the wrong place for that. Yeah. You know, the Bible would say, man, if don't be anxious about anything, but anything with prayer and supplication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not that we can't have other ways to deal with anxiety besides prayer, but if we're seeking that through outward we're going to the wrong place. We're treating a a symptom and ignoring the disease. Yeah. And so taking this idea of whether the Bible has, draws a hard line on whether you may or may not have a sip of alcohol, let's set that right aside. 
And and I would make my case from here. Paul said everything is permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Mm-hmm. Something I'm paraphrasing there. Just because something is permitted, just because we have the liberty to do a thing, doesn't make it a good decision. And so we should be wise. We should not want to take a chance on messing up our witness, on stepping over a line. We don't want to flirt with that line. And you can make all kinds of arguments for why it is beneficial to steer clear of alcohol. You can't argue to me that it is beneficial to your life to have a few drinks. Right. Right. Be- and, best case, you're just not going to mess up. And, and that does add this other component. You know, we kind of talked about the witness to outsiders, but the fact there are Christian people who are highly offended, whether that's somebody that has had an issue with alcohol in the past, mm-hmm. or whether that is somebody who's got a hard line in the sand that they are abstainers. We don't want to cause somebody else to stumble by our position. You know, so when we cling to something recklessly, mm-hmm. that's not a sign of maturity. That's a sign of immaturity. Yeah. And not everybody is going to be upfront with you about their past in a situation like that. You know, right. we can say, oh, well, if I know somebody's got a problem, I'm not going to put them in that position. You're not going to always know. Those are the types of things that especially new Christians hide because they think they need to. Right. You know, if they're a recovered alcoholic or recovering or they struggle with that or whatever, you might not know. And you don't ever know when you're going to cause somebody to stumble. And that doesn't include the fact that, you know, I know in the church, just in our congregation, probably true anywhere. We have this wide range. We have people who have been alcoholics in the past. Mm-hmm. We have people who are currently fighting and struggling against it, who are in a battle. We have some people that they're not battling. They're just alcoholics who are given into it, not fighting it. They're in the church. Mm-hmm. And then we have people that are just social drinkers, don't have any issue with it. Uh, so we have that wide range. And my thought would be if somebody's on that other end, they're just and they're just willing to engage in social drink. You don't know who has what issue, and that should at least be a part of the conversation. It doesn't solve it all. I'm even reluctant to make the idea. Well, don't do it because you'll cause somebody to stumble. Because I don't want it to seem like that's my only basis for not drinking. Right. My basis for that is rooted in biblical principles. That being one of them, but certainly not being the only principle. Yeah, and we're not we're not also saying you know if you are a Christian and you drink socially that you're unsaved or that you're some sort of a heathen or you know that you're you're not a good Christian. We're not saying any of that stuff. We mentioned in an earlier episode about you know wrestlers uh, how they're constantly striving and seeking a little better leverage, a little better position, and and we're trying to do that doctrinally. And so I think what we're really encouraging here is if you're a Christian who socially drinks at times, honestly consider that position. Do an honest assessment of your motivations of why you're looking for a scripture that makes this okay, of what you really stand to gain versus what you stand to lose. And maybe you'll find a little better viewpoint on and, this. And, and not just that, if some of the biblical principles, some of them that we've spoken of, some of them that we hadn't brought up, if they have bearing to that in your mind, mm-hmm. you know, do not be a fool, think soberly, you know, being a witness, not causing a brother to stumble. Do those things uh, have any bearing on your moral decision? And as Christians, sometimes we have to consider things that are difficult and that challenge us in ways we didn't anticipate. And that's important that we consider deeper things, that we consider those things that are hard and a challenge for us. Yeah. And very often 
you know, we hear this cry in the world of, well, it's not my problem, it's your problem. You know, I'm not the one who's wrong. It's your perception that's wrong. As Christians, I don't know that we really have the liberty to say that about moral issues. The scripture says, flee from any appearance of evil. It doesn't just say from evil. It says from the appearance of it. It matters how people perceive us as the church. Even if they're in the wrong, you can't run around and explain to every person who sees you walk out of the store with a beer that it's actually okay. You know, people are going to see you and never say a word. You're not going to know who saw you. The, The world is watching us. We're the church. We have to err on the side of caution. And it's not overly inhibitive to to understand that we have been called to give up some of our liberties for the sake of Christ. Right. And I, and I, you know, you know what? It's not it's not something that we have to do. It's not something you have to cling to. It's not wrong to not drink. Mm-hmm. There's questions of whether it's wrong to drink. Yeah. Um, and, and so why would that why would that be so difficult? of a position to take a step further uh, away from. Uh, and that might be revealing of the, of the real issue. It might be revealing a deeper things in the heart. Um, and again, we, we understand there's people that I know that love the Lord with all their heart that have a different position than I do on this. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not looking down at them or trying to question their salvation or anything of the sort. We just want to start some conversations. And and we would encourage all of you, you know, if you have a different opinion on this, you're free to drop a comment on whatever platform that, that you're listening Kindly. to this on. Kindly, yeah. And, and, and that's what I was going to say too. Let's keep it, you know, on the up and up. Let's be loving. Let's be patient with each other and forbear one another. I know there's a difference here in opinion. And it's hard to draw a solid yes or no without a thus saith the Lord. But we hope that you'll consider these principles that we're kind of talking yeah, about I, in the Bible. I, I guess I kind of have a pessimistic view, you know, that things like this, different ideas, especially on moral issues, and, and maybe even more specifically on this issue, man, people are going to, not everybody agrees, but not only that, they're going to passionately disagree. And that's fine. We can passionately disagree. I I hope that there will be, uh, we can have respect through differences of idea and, and opinion, but also don't come to a position without having uh, thought it out. Again, we're not, if, if you're going to look for a Bible verse that says, thou shalt, thou shalt not, and that's your only argument, that's the only thing you consider, that that's shallow. So if you're going to, if you're going to leave a, a conversation about alcohol use, social drinking, and that's the only thing you consider, man, I think that's missed it. I think there, there are principles. So you might look at all these principles that we've talked about and say, eh, I don't think that applies. Yeah. Th- that's your prerogative. But please go beyond the idea the Bible doesn't condemn drunkenness. There's more to say than that. There is. And maybe kind of as a final thought, if you're sitting there and you've made it all the way through this and you're angry and you're kind of frustrated and you're having this very passionate you know, response in the opposite direction, question that. I mean, if you're going to be passionate about something, it means it's because something has been challenged that you value highly. And I would, I would ask myself, why do I value this so highly that I am this upset that, that someone is challenging me on it? And I think that's going to lead you down a path of thought that's similar to the one I went down. And, and I, I had to end up changing my position on this because I, being honest with myself, could not support continuing to drink in the face of all this stuff that the Bible kind of outlines that shows us that it's, it's unwise, it's bad for our witness. You know, we talked about it all mm-hmm. already. Yeah, so, I think that's, you know, and, and the thing that we've tried to do with this is this is a conversation. And we, we kind of looked at it, we're leading the conversation, 
we're not, we don't have the end all and say all. We hope that one, it's sparking a conversation in your mind, maybe a conversation with somebody else, and, and certainly a conversation with us. We would love for you to be involved in this dialogue with, with us. Uh, even if you disagree, we, we'd like to, to talk about it. We understand the controversial nature. We're willing to mm-hmm. deal with that, especially because we don't have anybody else in the room right now to argue back. Maybe, maybe we should have brought in a dissenter. I think we can talk about this again and uh, bring somebody in, a third party. I've got one or two people in mind that, that might yeah. want to join us for this. But um, for now, we just kind of wanted to lay out what our position is and, and get you all talking about some of this. And if we get some pretty good response and it seems clear that people want to talk some more about this, I'd be open to, to doing it again. Sure, sure. And, and please, obviously, said at the beginning, click like or subscribe. That helps us uh, and we really appreciate it. But really, we want to hear comments. We, we would love to hear uh, on those platforms, on those comments. And, and uh, there might be a temptation to rank us like one star on iTunes because <laughs> you disagree with us. We, we hope that even if you disagree with us, that you don't one star us or thumbs down us on YouTube. You know, that's always aggravating when you go on YouTube and you see that something you said's gotten a, gotten a big fat thumbs down. I don't mind it as long as they say what they didn't like. Sometimes you get the thumbs down and no explanation and then it haunts me. Or the angry face Why on Facebook, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, we'd encourage you to, again, subscribe, click like. Please share this so that we can get some more people listening and, and having these conversations with us. Uh, if you head over to our website, it's lakemountchurchofchrist.org. Uh, you can find these podcasts as well as some sermons and uh, we got some online lessons that we need to get on there. Um, and some other content. So we just really encourage you to check all of that out. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode six. And I think we'll be talking about the issue of abortion. Uh, Even within the church, sometimes we've got a difference of opinion on that. And we think that's a really important issue. So we'd like to talk about that. Uh, next month. We yeah, we're well, certainly not avoiding controversy. No, we might as well make September, you know, a slugfest, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we hope to do that with love and, and kindness and, and really get a good conversation out there about that. So we look forward to hearing from you all in the comments section, and we hope you'll join us again for our next episode. So thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.